0: Please turn into Luke's Gospel, chapter 2. Luke, chapter 2. And while you're turning there, I do want to just make mention that in your bulletin, there should have been an insert on the new season we are entering in as a church as we are nominating men for church office. And so we would invite you to take this and pray and ask the Lord to raise up godly men to serve us here at Cornerstone And begin to pray about men that you have taken note, that you believe God may be calling to serve here at Cornerstone. The session takes this process very seriously, very soberly, uh, asking God to lead us, to, to direct us for his will to be done, and we would love for you to enter into that process. If you have any questions, you can come to me or any of the elders, and we'd be glad to assist you in them. So please be in prayer this season for this Nomination process. Nominations will continue through the end of the year. Luke chapter 2, our passage of study will be verses 8 through 14. This last week we looked at the wonder of Mary as she beheld the incarnation. This morning we will look at the wonder of the angels at the incarnation. Luke chapter 2 verses 8 through 14, this is God's holy word to us this morning, that sweet Christmas story. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, these words and this story is so familiar. But, Lord, we confess to you that times we lose the wonder of what this actually means. And so, Lord, would you lay the awesome wonder and mystery of the incarnation on our hearts once more, and may we respond like children in awe of what you, O God, our Father, have done. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. When I say the word angel, what immediately comes to your mind? Uh, What visual representation of an angel just popped into your mind when you think of angels? Well, many of us have ideas of what an angel might look like or what an angel is, and if we honestly assess that, we would have to admit that many of our ideas come from literature and old art. In his classic work, uh, The Screwtape Letters, C.S. Lewis describes kind of the history and thought behind the, the look of angels this way. He says, a belief in angels, whether good or evil, does not mean a belief in either as they are represented in art and literature. They are given wings in order to suggest the swiftness of the unimpeded intellectual energy. They are given human form because man is the only rational creature we know. Creatures higher in the natural order than ourselves, either incorporeal or animating bodies of a sort we cannot experience, must be represented symbolically, as if they are to be represented at all. He goes on to say, In the plastic arts, these symbols have steadily de- degenerated. Uh, I'm going to mess this guy's name up. Fra Evangelica, whose angels carry in their face and gesture the peace and authority of heaven. Later come the chubby, infantile nudes of Raphael. Finally, the soft, slim, girlish, and conciliatory angels of 19th century art. They are a pernicious symbol, Lewis says. They're not, those aren't very helpful to us. In Scripture, the visitation of an angel is always alarming it has to begin by saying, fear not. And that is exactly what the angel that appeared to the shepherds said to them. Fear not. The shepherds did not have a warm and fuzzy feeling when this angel appeared to them. We can be sure that they did not say, oh, how cute. (laughs) They were greatly afraid. I love the way the King James Version says it. They were sore afraid. They were terrified. They were scared beyond their imagination. And and this, rightly so, is the the proper reaction when face-to-face with a, a so powerful, so intelligent, so glorious being appears. It strikes a fear in us that probably few of us have ever experienced. And that is the normal reaction throughout all the Bible when an angel appears to God's people. What about these angels? What are they like? Do they have a sense of fear and wonder as we do? Have you ever wondered what their reaction was to the birth of the Messiah? This has been a fun and interesting journey as we've had the chance to so far study and look at the wonder and the amazement that the different characters of Christmas had in response to the incarnation. And again, last week, we looked at the Virgin Mary and, and her response over the message that was brought to her by the angel Gabriel. And again, what did he have to say to her? Fear not. This week, though, we look at these powerful beings And we look at their wonder at the Christmas story. But Before we do that, let's look at and understand a few different things here. You know, what what is an angel? And why would we give them so much attention in the Christmas story? Because let's face it, we all wanted to play one in the Christmas pageant. First, though, an angel is a messenger. An angel is a messenger usually bringing good news from God and Angels exist, they were created for the glory of God and his purposes in the universe, in the cosmos, in the world. Angels are exist to do the bidding of the Lord. But then second, they are worth our attention, and pausing for a minute to think about the response of the angels to Christmas, is those words that were recorded for us in 1 Peter chapter 1, I hope you caught that in the reading this morning, the New Testament reading. You can look there in your bulletin again. At the end of, at the end of this passage, the Apostle Peter is talking about the, the glory of God in the way that he has brought salvation to, through Christ and how the, the prophets were searching and looking and, and hoping and praying that the Messiah would come and then he did come. And then he has this, this interesting little phrase where he says, these are marvelous and wonderful things that even the angels cannot wait to see. I have this picture in my mind of these angels, you know, kind of peering over the, 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 the God's plan. And how is it going to unfold? How is God going to do it? Isn't it amazing that these powerful, uh, eternal creatures that God had created that even they did not know God's will in all of this until Christ came. We must remember that angels, like us, they exist. They were created to glorify God. And even they can't wait to see how the plan of redemption was going to unfold. And so as the gospel was realized, as it was coming to fruition at the, the birth and the life and the death of Jesus Christ, the, the, the Scriptures record this amazing scene for us, that angels looking at the plan of redemption unfolding and longing and wondering at the reality of Christmas. Paul records this same truth and the special role of the church and how in real time in history, The incarnation was going to bring wonder and joy to the world. He records in Ephesians chapter 3, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Think about that for a moment. In real time, in real history, God chose the church, the people of God living on this earth, to reveal his eternal plan of redemption. And even the angels got excited as this happened. Think about that for a moment. How much more should that affect us? If that is the angels' reaction, how much more should we be in awe at what God has done through the incarnation? May we never lose the wonder of the incarnation at Christmas. And so let's look closer at the wonder of the angels and what caused the angels to wonder at Christ being born. And I'm going to ask your forgiveness at this point. I'm I'm from the South, and I'm a redneck at heart, and I have to watch my enunciation. So I'm probably saying wander instead of wonder, okay? So just just help me here, just go with it. (laughs) Wonder. My wife was trying to help me, but it's not helping. So the angels first were in wonder because they got to make the greatest birth announcement that was ever given. Think about that. I, I love sharing good news. When someone shares good news with me, I can't wait to run home and tell my family and, There are a few pieces of good news that are more exciting and more joyous than a birth announcement when a family member or a friend tells you that they're going to have a baby. How exciting that is. But the angels were not sharing just any birth announcement. They were sharing the greatest news in the history of the world. Not only were the angels sharing the news of the birth of a new baby, to be born in Bethlehem, but they were sharing the best news of all, that a Savior, a Messiah, He has come. He has been born. Just imagine the wonder of the angels in that moment. Perhaps God the Father pulled His troops of angels together and He told them, Go, prepare the heavenly choir. Ready the earth and make this proclamation a Savior has been born, and He will save all my people from their sin and sorrow. Surely the angels knew the prophecies just like God's people did. Surely the angels knew that God was merciful, that He was holy, and that He was loving. Surely. The angels knew the sovereignty and the goodness of the Lord their God, but what they did not know is how it was all going to come to pass. And so think about the dots being connected in that moment as God's plan unfolded. In Micah 5.2, But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is of old from ancient days. Oh, little town of Bethlehem. The prophecy that the Messiah would be born in the city of David in Bethlehem. Check. Prophecy fulfilled. And then in Isaiah, for unto us a child is born, for unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The prophecy that a child would be born who would be the Savior. Check. Prophecy fulfilled. It was all there all the promises were coming true, and what joy and what wonder the angels must have experienced in that moment. How much more should we look at the events and the message of Christmas and stand in awe of who God is and what He has done in real time, in real history, sending His one and only Son. The next thing that probably brought wonder to the angels, was they got to sing the greatest chorus ever given. They got to sing the best song that could have been sung at that time. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. You better start singing in church. We're watching you. It's the one thing, it's the one of the one things that we will do here now on this earth that we will be doing for eternity. So you might as well get those pipes going now (laughs) so that we can join in the chorus of heaven. We shouldn't say that we don't like to sing. Let's start singing because one day we will join in this chorus with the heavenly chorus, singing praises to the Lamb who was slain, glory to God in the highest. J.C. Ryle says this, the man who hopes to dwell in heaven should have some experiential acquaintance with the language of its inhabitants. Here it is, the language of heaven printed right before us. Let's join in. If the shepherds weren't scared enough at this glorious being standing before them announcing this good news, imagine their reaction. When the curtain of this world was drawn back and the heavens were opened before them and a multitude of heavenly hosts were singing this song. Can you imagine? A multitude is the Bible's word for beyond able to count. It's a lot. And these were angels, troops and troops of angels singing glory to God in the highest, they were singing this new song. Why? Because the highest degree of God's glory was being unveiled in the incarnation. Think about that. They, those angels who were around the throne, who, who knew the glory, who knew the power, who knew the sovereignty of God, who probably thought, how could, he, how could he get more glory? How could he possibly be more glorious than he is right now? And then this happens. One of the great traditions at many universities, especially at their sporting events, is to sing their fight song, either at the beginning or the end of a a victory. And here we have the angels singing the victory song, all glory to God, all glory belongs to God. They were echoing the great hymns of praise that God's people have recorded Praise the Lord, praise the Lord from the heavens, praise Him in the heights, praise Him, all His angels, praise Him, all His hosts, the psalmist records in Psalm 148. And so the incarnation, it's all about the glory of God. Christmas, it's all about the glory of God. Life, it's all about the glory of God. You will not be happy, you will not be satisfied. You will not find your purpose in life until you wrap your mind and your heart around this truth. Glory to God in the highest. That's it. That is what it's all about. The angels were the first to praise God. The angels who had never sinned. The angels who needed no Savior. They did not need to deliver. They were the first to give glory to God at the Incarnation. How much more should we join in in giving glory to God, both now and forevermore? Finally, the wonder of the angels came as they got to declare the greatest blessing of the gospel. This great blessing being peace between God and man. That is what they sang. That is what they proclaimed. On earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. The Apostle Paul says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have been saved by grace. That is the great source of our salvation. God has entered into time and history and he has saved us by grace through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore, we have this great blessing. We have this great experience between God and man. And that is, Peace, peace, the nature of our salvation, the prince of peace has come. And those who are in Christ can now have favor with God. Again, the the joy the angels must have felt to be able to sing those words. Peace on earth, peace on earth. God and man have been reconciled. Does that truth move you in the deepest way imaginable? That you in Christ can now have peace with God? But the truth is, the truth is apart from God, apart from Christ, we are not at peace with God. We are in fact at war with him. But in Christ, peace has come. Peace has come in the form of a child, born of a virgin, born under the law, born to die for us. And this is what this meal that is before us this morning is a reminder to us that through the life and the death the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ, we have peace with God. This is a, a peace meal. The Lord has invited us to his table through Christ, where Jesus says, Peace I leave with you, with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Peace on earth, God and sinner reconciled. That's the good news, the great news of the incarnation. If you haven't figured it out by now, my favorite Christmas theologian is J.C. Ryle, and he says this, let us strive to be more like-minded with the angels. Let us strive to be more like-minded with the angels. As we give glory to God, as we marvel at who He is and what He has done, let us strive to worship God and thank Him for the peace that He has brought to us in the person and work of Jesus Christ. That is what gives us a Merry Christmas. Let's pray. O great God, highest heaven, whom the angels adore, who even the angels long to see your glory revealed in Christ, may we join with them in singing praises to you, may we join them in wonder, love, and awe of who you are and what you have done. O Lord, our God, please let us not be unmoved at the miracle, the wonder, the beauty of the incarnation. May it change us, may it move us to live for your glory and your glory alone. We praise you in the matchless name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, amen.